This is The Book Alchemist, the podcast which celebrates the magic of storytelling and the joy of great books. I'm your host, Heather Sutty, and my guests all have one thing in common, a love of reading. Today, I'm joined by Lazara Canton, a brilliant mindset healer, coach, and author. We chat about the books which shaped her life, serendipity and spirituality, love and loss, and discuss how the right books enter your life at the right time. Lazara, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. You're very welcome. Excited to be here. Great. Now, I know that you're an author in your own right. What was it that prompted you to write your own memoir? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I had always been told throughout my life, when I tell people like snippets of a section of my life, oh, you should write a book. And I never consciously planned to write a book. I had uh, resigned from my job in Hong Kong, moved back to Scotland after 15 uh, or so, just under 15 years um, with my daughter, breastfeed my daughter. And I was just went through this whole dark night of the soul where just processing my whole life, we were just talking about that and trying to figure out what to do. And one of the things that I came across was the uh, RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy with Marissa Peer. And what that allowed me to do was just to start to talk about and unlock some of the trauma I had been through as a child. And that just opened up lots of different things for me. Um, and then just circumstances, I had this really strange dream about my friend who'd almost died. It was as if she was showing me her light, our lives together. And I woke up that morning with just this really sudden urge to write. And I wrote a short story about the two of us. And I shared it with our friends and family and everyone loved it. Fast forward a week, I went along to this energy healer um, because I was looking for so many answers in those days. And she happened to say, I told her about the story and she went, oh yeah, that's the beginning of your book writing process. And I could feel the truth of that statement. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really question it. And, all, and, she, and I said, what will I do? She said, probably just do, I'm not an expert, just do what you did with that short story. And off I went. And in three weeks, I had the first draft done. Now, I say three weeks, it was three weeks about a river of tears <laughs> and whatever else, like, going through it all, yeah. And was writing the book a cathartic process, would you say? Absolutely. Like, there were certain sections of it. I'd got into the swing and there were certain sections, like my ex-husband and the relationship I'd had with him and the, what I'd seen as, like, wasted years. Every time I got to write about that bit, I was getting stuck and I was getting frustrated. But because I'd been in that place for two years of doing such deep work, doing the therapy, I leaned into my body, like, what is this... And it was the lessons that I hadn't yet learned. And then I, I would I would be, I would be in like um, Ronzio across from uh, the Kelvin Grove Museum, writing it, looking out at the Kelvin Grove. And there's some days I just had to be like, can I get the bill please and go? Because I would be, couldn't be able to hide my sobs. Mm-hmm. Or there would be some days where I would just be like wanting to punch the air because I'm like, yes, I know now why that's so difficult for me. So it was like the best thing I could have ever done really at that point in my life. When it came to self-publishing, how did you find that process? Oh, it was it was really daunting. Like what I realised with publishing a book is there's a whole world that existed independently of me knowing about it. And I just started to unpack it and I got overwhelmed and then obviously started to work with you. And um, the self-publishing part I found quite easy and that I had a company that was helping me with the actual nuts and bolts of it and then I started to work with you around like how do I actually get my name out there what do I do how do I get in the papers and stuff Mm -hmm. but like I said I still haven't quite figured out it because figured the world out because it's a huge industry Um, but I did feel like I had a lot of control and ultimately that was the thing because initially when I first started thinking about publishing my book I was speaking to a lady who was going to publish it through her company 
and we ended up parting ways quite quickly. It just didn't feel right and I felt like the, it was going in a direction that I didn't feel and then I ended up putting, putting the book in the drawer for two months and this had been my whole life other mm. than like I was just feeding my daughter and then writing my book really that wasn't going out or doing anything else and I stuck it in a drawer and then I thought no I need to do something about this because if I don't I'll not go back to it and that's when I came across this company called Self Publishing School with this uh, Chandler Bolt based in America and I had a writing coach and everything but I don't think a lot of things deviated other than the editorial process where they changed some words and stuff, but I don't think a lot of things deviated from that first draft in the first few weeks, which was magical. I felt like I channeled a lot of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite spiritual, but it, it felt like that. And it's a self-help memoir. Um, intuitively, did you know that that's what you wanted to write about? Because obviously I know that you had a very high-powered career in Hong Kong and you, you're very giving when it comes to supporting others. So... Was it intuitively the right thing to do a memoir? Absolutely. And you know what? When I was preparing to come on here today, I was looking at the history of the books that I read. And it's so fascinating because they all fall into two categories. I either read like quite fantastical books, like books that are based in a bit of fantasy, a bit of real world, or I go for real life books that feed my obsessions. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I was obsessed by music, which is lovely that we're actually here in Go Radio and... um. I read so many books about bands. I know everything about so many bands (laughs) because I got obsessed about it. But then I got obsessed about personal development, which leads me into answering your question. I was just become, I I became obsessed quite early on with being the best version of me and helping others to be the best version of them. And so my reading just kind of took on this whole different, whole different world. And and yeah, so when I went to write my own book, the only thing I knew was that I had to tell my story. I had got to a point where I was 40, what would I have been then, 42, 43, 43, and there was things that had happened to me, like the death of my dad as a, a young child, the death of my sister as a teenager, um, various different things in my life that I hadn't even spoken about out loud, mm-hmm. let alone, and like my friends growing up would say, God, you never speak about your sister, you never mm-hmm. speak about, and of course, it was just too tra- traumatic for me, mm-hmm. it was visceral, I could feel it in my body, I would sway, I would have palpitations when I did, and so therefore, being able to actually start to tell the story, I started just to form this idea that, well, if I'm going to write the book, it just has to be based on me and what I've experienced, because I feel like if I've gone through this and I can't speak about it, there must be so many other people out there that want to share this experience with me and that's what I've absolutely loved the most about my book is when people come up to me and say oh my god that similar thing happened to me mm-hmm. or uh, the thing I write about friendships and having to let go of friendships like oh my god yeah I'm going through a similar thing and your book really helped me so I really feel like although I was very ambitious when I first published it I wanted it to sell hundreds of thousands of copies I just kind of got to the point quite quickly that actually that's not what it was about it was about me sharing my story and people being able to connect with it and helping other people so it all tied in with what I do in my life (laughs) and I think that's amazing because books have the power to change lives don't they Absolutely. And that's what I realised when I was reading even the book, a book I've just finished like a couple of days ago. Well, I talked about this. So I've just started, I started reading this just last week, The Urgent Life by Bozema St. John, who is this a beautiful, amazing, powerful black woman who was the head of marketing for Uber, Netflix, Facebook. She, her career is phenomenal. And I was listening to a podcast that was, um, 
what do you call it? We can do hard things. Would you call it Glennon Doyle? Oh, yes. I was uh-huh. listening to that in the gym two weeks ago and uh, she had her on and she was describing something else I'm really passionate about is diversity and inclusion and equality. It's one of those subjects that just gets me in my heart and I could cry when I hear stories. I don't know if it's because I grew up with a Spanish dad living in shots and I could feel that he was different from other people. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm not comparing that, my white privilege to some of the stories in this book or what she's been through, but it really gets to me. So when I heard her talking so passionately about how difficult it was for her to build her career mm-hmm. and how she would be sitting in the boardroom and like a white woman would say something after she'd already said it and then she would get the credit mm. and I thought God I need to read her book to, to, and I was just so fascinated by her career as well how did she do all that but what actually happened is this book is actually a book about loss about grief she just touches very briefly on her career and she goes into the fact that it's just so, so tied up with my life right now. So she goes into the fact that she lost her baby and then she lost her husband to cancer at 44. I'm going to be 45 tomorrow. And I'm getting emotional, sorry. <laughs> Not and, at all. Um, it's, a, it's just such a big milestone in my life because my dad died at 44. And it came to the end of the book two nights ago. And she writes about how she's made it to 44 and she's celebrating her birthday like never before. And that's what I've planned to do for tomorrow. And how she writes about it is just exactly how I feel and think about it. And so it's just a beautiful book and a very unexpected book because I thought it was going to help me and and spark my ambition again towards working. But in fact, it just reinforced about writing about our grief and sharing our stories really connect with other people. So I loved it and just like freshly finished it. Don't you think it's amazing that the right book lands in your lap at the right time? Isn't it phenomenal? I've never really had that experience where, you know, when people say the book fell off the shelf and, and <laughs> on their head or something, it's never quite happened like that for me. Um, but what happens, and I've got the other two actually talk completely to that. So I'll start off with Elif Shafak. Have you read any of her books? I... Turkish No, I've not. I've not. She is absolutely phenomenal. And I came across her incidentally, well, not not coincidentally, but actually it was at the airport when I was moving to Istanbul and it was Uh The Bastard of Istanbul, one of our first, I think it was our first book. And I liked that book. It was good. But this one, The The Architect's Apprentice, really came to life for me and I read it whilst in Istanbul and it's actually about um, the times when they were building the the mosques mm-hmm. and it's about the guy Suleimani who built the one of the biggest mosques in Istanbul but the reason why I love it so much is because Istanbul is a city of modern buildings and modern cultures mixed with these just mystical um, mosques and cultures and it's just phenomenal it's a magical city so this book really encapsulate both of that and uh, when I was reading it I actually could feel the city coming alive so it just came into my my existence exactly the right time and it's just beautifully written like all of her books it brings the Ottoman Empire to life and its glory and its hardships and its danger the danger around it all as well it was a very beautiful, but I haven't read it for about four or five years. I read it twice, but I haven't read it for a long time. It's funny how with certain books as well, I think you can read them initially and then go back and read them again and again. One that I did that with was a book that I read about 20 years ago. 
and I can picture exactly where I was and what I was doing mm-hmm. when I was reading it. And it, it was called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Right, okay. And it's by an author called Jean-Michel Bobby, um, which is quite an, a very French surname. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was very high up in Elle magazine. I had a really successful personal and professional life and he was involved in a car accident. And as a result of the accident, he suffered from a condition called locked-in syndrome, which basically meant he was only able to communicate with his eyes. And he wrote this book called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, um, which he basically dictated to his nurse. His nurse basically helped him come up with a system where, you know, like two blinks was a consonant or a vowel Mm -hmm. and it's wonderful it's a very slim book and then it was made into a film um the film is good but the book is way better and I picked it up about six months ago and I read it in an afternoon and it was just amazing because there were so many parts of it that I hadn't quite picked up on and that was his legacy because Mm -hmm. he died not long after the book was published and I just it's just a wonderful story and I'm so impressed by people who put their heart and soul into their own work like you did with your memoir. So when you were growing up, um, were books a big part of your childhood? Actually, first, no. And I came to reading quite late. And it's quite interesting because I came to reading, well, not quite late, but probably about 12, 13. I was thinking about that because I was wanted to, to discuss it. And um, I, I needed glasses quite soon after that because I just got obsessed with reading but at first I was like reading some random romantic novels that my sister had like left by the side of her bed <laughs> Jackie Collins oh just like some really weird Mills ones and it was um, the one I can remember the most I can't even remember the author Flowers in the Attic remember all oh, those ones yes oh. remember those really quite yeah so I started to read those and then I thought right okay I think I need to find something else but then I realized <laughs> well I'm obsessed by bands at the time I read books on the Smiths, Morrissey, the Stone Roses, like Guns N' Roses. Like I read, and and even like younger, I used to read a lot about Michael Jackson because I was obsessed with Michael Jackson. But I cannot remember. Before that, I can't really remember books in my house or in my family outside of school yeah. curriculum. Yeah, yeah. It just wasn't really a thing. I know. I remember my sister used to read magazines and comics, but yeah. it wasn't until she was a teenager she started to read, and then I basically got her cast off books until I started to go into town into like the the big shops the record shops to find books about bands that was the same for me I mean I grew up in Coatbridge and you know mum and dad just didn't have disposable income for things like books and I remember at school like I've always I'm probably slightly ADHD in that I love doing about five different things at once yes Um, but I also love projects that have a beginning a middle and an end so magazines were my thing so I used to read my mum and dad used to buy the Sunday Post so I'd read the Bruins and Ur Wally and That's then my sister used to yeah, do as well and then DC Thompson who published the Sunday Post also published you know Jackie Magazine and, and various other titles like that and I loved that because mm-hmm. it was a window into a different world it was colourful it was glossy it was you know makeup and romance and clothes and all Just of that. It's a different world. Oh. Like me even shots. Like you're sitting in Coat Bridge, I'm sitting in shots, like reading these magazines, reading these books about these bands. And I think the uh-huh. theme for me was always, you can get out of here. Oh, you yeah, can yeah. do something different. Yeah, Look yeah. at these people were normal at one point. Yeah, yeah. The Stone yeah. Roses were just like whatever. Oh, like Michael yeah, Jackson, yeah. Was, you yeah. know, it's it, yeah. It's Very funny exciting. though. Like I don't really have a favourite book from childhood. I recently reread a book called The Wolves of Willoughby Chase. That sounds familiar, so, but I don't think I've read it. This sounds familiar. So I couldn't even tell you who wrote 
that who wrote the book, but I recently read it on a five-hour train journey, and I loved, loved it. it. But it was it was it's actually quite a grown-up book for kids. I mean, I think it was written in like the nineteen sixties, right? Okay. Um, but is there one book that you remember from your childhood? I think the biggest one for me was the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it's interesting because, again, I can chart my theme of reading right back to that, that mm -hmm. that world where this girl could go into this wardrobe and just disappear into a different world. And <laughs> all the other books, I, I read a lot of Michael and Dante, like, you know, Aniel's Ghost and The Skin of a Lion. And when I think about, when I was thinking about those books, it's all got this very otherworldly, mm -hmm. you're in reality, but mm -hmm. there's another reality out there. So maybe the theme was, <laughs> I need to get out this the way I am. And I wasn't necessarily, I've dreamt of bigger things maybe. Mm -hmm. But C.S. Lewis, I loved those books because... I was. I used to go to chapel all the time, like with the stay with my grand at the weekend. Sometimes I go to chapel, and I could just really see the connection between the spirituality side and the mm -hmm. stories that he was telling. Now, as a young child, I probably wouldn't have been able to articulate that, but I could feel it, mm -hmm. and that's what drew me to things like the C.S. Lewis books, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. And funnily enough, when I actually bought this book, I bought this book in Roman Christmas. It's called Consolations. Um, and it's actually got a bit by Elizabeth Gil Gilbert on the front saying, keep this book by your bedside forever. And it just, it's just, it's beautiful. It's David White and he talks about the different meaning of words. But when I bought this, I bought a book by C.S. Lewis on miracles. And I was expecting this because I feel like I've had a lot of miracles in my life. Mm -hmm. But I started to read it and it was quite flat. It's quite detailed. It's not like this uh, beautiful like fan fantastical book that I was expecting it to be. I don't even know why I keep saying that word. I don't even know if it is actually a word. <laughs> but um, I just expected it to take me to different places, but then this book did. So I was in Rome and it was, um, talk about things coming into your hands at the, the perfect time. I was in Rome. My mum had just died. I was six months pregnant with my daughter and we were spending Christmas in Germany, but we'd went for a week in Rome, me, my son and my husband. And I went into this American, I still got the ticket in the bag, this <laughs> American bookshop in the centre of Rome. And I picked this up and I thought, oh God, that sounds really, really good. Now, what the what the author does is he breaks down the actual what meanings of words to him, like what they actually mean. And it's just so beautiful. And I'll just, I'll give you like a little snapshot. There was one that I wanted to, uh, belonging. It's actually, the word is loneliness. Loneliness is a single malt taste of the very essentiality that makes conscious belonging possible. The doorway is closer than we think. I am alone, therefore I belong. And I just, Every time I was reading those, I just felt like it was helping the, the rawness of the grief. It felt like it was talking to my soul. Now, he only talks about words in the book, but he has two cities that he talks about. Mm -hmm. The first one is Rome, where I was in. Guess what the second one was? Istanbul. Wow. And I just, it felt like it was my companion mm -hmm. through that lonely grief um confused, pregnant, trying to still nurture my brain, nurture my body, stay in this place of well-being because I was growing a baby inside of me but also going through like a really, really tough emotional experience and I, th I think this book really helped me and it obviously has helped Elizabeth Gilbert and many other people because it's got such a good write-up but you should, if you love words in which you do, to just have a read at it because it just opens up words in a different way mm -hmm. that I've ever experienced before. So tell us the title and the author again. It's Consolations um, and it's by David White.
fab. Now, you mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert. Have you read any of her work? Yes, I've read The Big Magic. I haven't read Eat, Pray, Love. I got, I kind of just got quite late to the party with that and watched the movie. Didn't really like the movie, so didn't really read the book. Mm-hmm. But I love Big Magic. Have you read that? Yes, I've actually, I've read both. And it's funny because um, I read, again, there are certain books that just strike a chord and they transport you back to where you were when you were reading them. And I remember in 2008, I split up from my husband and I had a Croatian friend who lives in LA and he said, he's very logical and he said to me, like, before you make any massive decisions about work and your husband and blah, 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 come and see me for a holiday. And I was like, right, okay, that sounds like a great idea because I hadn't had a holiday. Got to LA. um, How fab. Went to Santa Monica. I went to a beach in Santa Monica. I was on my own because he he was busy working and I went to this bookshop and I saw Eat, Pray, Love and I thought, I'm going to read that. (laughs) So I must have read it over four days and I loved it because it gave me the courage to walk out of my marriage because... It just highlighted how unhappy I really was. So that when I went, when I came back to Scotland, I made the decision. And then I I went on my own kind of journey, if you like, although I hate that word, in that, you know, I took a year out after the divorce because it was a really difficult time. And I went to Tanzania for a year and did voluntary work. And, you know, people would say, oh, that's that's eat, pray, love type of thing, Um, which is a bit cheesy, but... I loved that book because I could relate to it in so many ways. You know, she had a high-flying career. She wanted to be in a relationship. She, you know, her husband, it wasn't quite right. There was, mm-hmm. you know, loads of things. Something so, that wasn't, yeah. So I really loved that book and I've always been a fan of hers and Big Magic is absolutely brilliant. Um, and it's one of those books that you can return to time after time after time. And a bit like Marianne Williamson. Yes, I, I have all of her books. And in my bedside cabinet, I've got like drawers of books that help me get to sleep. And Marianne Williamson, every single, single time, time, there's one book in particular, it's called The Gift of Change. Every single time I pick it up, without a word of a lie, it's almost like it evolves every time mm-hmm. I read it. Because you're at a different place, so you're connected. These are spiritual books, and they're written in such a way they're connecting with you where you are at that time. Uh-huh. Oh, lovely. So, Elizabeth Gilbert, I'm a big fan. Um, I know what you mean about the film. The film was quite cheesy. I know, um, and, and I think the book's probably got a lot of depth to it that the film doesn't have. I've heard that, but I kind of just, I, I've got, like, Julia Roberts in my mind now. <laughs> but that's so lovely that you, you've you got that book in The Big Magic and you go back to it. I've got it actually in my eyesight where I sit normally in the living room. It's on the bookshelf because, again, you can go back to it. It's, it's for creative people, isn't mm-hmm, it? It's about mm-hmm. building creative ideas and... But Elizabeth Gilbert also does a lot of good talks. I don't know if you've yes. ever, like she spe- how she speaks about grief as well. And like, even during the pandemic, I remember watching in Hong Kong, it had all just started. I watched a little, um, it was actually like a TED Talk interview thing they were doing. I think it was because they couldn't get people together. It was almost like a TED Talk, but it was via Zoom. She was mm-hmm. talking to someone and it was absolutely beautiful. I just love her way, the way that she frames things. Yeah. She talks to your soul, I think, a little bit, doesn't she? She gets you... Absolutely. It's so does Marianne Williamson film. Yes. And the other one, who was the other author that you mentioned? Uh, Glennon Doyle. Yes. Have you read Glennon Doyle? No, I haven't. It's funny, right? I actually bought it and I downloaded it onto my phone to read it because my friend recommended it. 
and then um, I lost it I couldn't find it mean technology I couldn't find it and I was like where did that download to and anyway then I just got another book and started reading another right. book and it wasn't until about two months ago that I found it it's actually oh. in like the Apple downloads or something uh-huh. I don't know it was some obscure place where the books that I buy and don't get to read go <laughs> so I have got it in my possession I just need to well you see that's what you get for not buying a physical book <laughs> no <laughs> this is the thing like in Hong Kong when I used to have to get a ferry to work every morning and I used to listen to Audible mm-hmm. and it was only a 27 minute ferry ride a lot of the time I'd be meditating and visualising and planning my manifestations and how I was going to what, what the next part of my life was going to look like and I think back now a lot of my life was created on that ferry mm-hmm. that I, I visualised what I wanted to be doing mm-hmm. um, I didn't visualise quite so much rain and cold I didn't realise at the time <laughs> I was coming back to Scotland but yeah I used to listen to Audible a lot but the thing about Audible is that Unless it's the right person that's reading. So many times I've like went to review. Thank God I've got a review button. <laughs> went to get a book that I've heard really good, pressed the review and went, no, I cannot listen to that. It doesn't, doesn't match up. Yeah, I know. That's so funny that you say that because I've only a, a, ever listened to two audiobooks for that very reason. One was Matthew McConaughey oh. and Green Lights because, I mean, he could read anything and make Everyone it sound amazing it's just I'm got that you know that, that text and drawl it's yeah. just so good and also because of what he's talking about you know he's really passionate about it. it's not fiction it's you know it's about spirituality and positivity and you know living your best life and all mm-hmm, of those things mm-hmm. and then the other one was Claudia Winkleman's which she wrote during lockdown and the reason that I loved that was because it was like eavesdropping on a conversation. You know, Claudia, she's very, she's got a certain presentation yeah. style. And it was just the thoughts that she had in her head. But I, as I was listening to, you know, bumbling about the house, doing the domestics, it was really entertaining and I loved it Great. for that very reason. But there's been so many books that I've listened to the preview, you know, download a sample yeah. on Kindle and I've just gone, uh-uh. You can't do it. It's just the, but I think like with the the Audible, it was like a period in my life where it really, really suited me and it was really great because it kept me connected to books. In Hong Kong, there's no space. Mm. It's hot and humid. You, can, you don't want to be carrying any extra things around. And I loved it and I never thought I would go away from Audible, but see, since I left Hong Kong, I've actually <laughs> stopped my subscription because I never ever ever listen to it but I think there, there are definitely things that work and I think probably Matthew McConaughey would definitely work <laughs> working on now you are the mother of a 22 year old he's just turned 23 all my family's birthdays are in August except from Santi's everyone else's is and a three year old do you how do you get time to read like do you read with Santi or you know like do you read to chill out in the evening does it help you get to sleep like how does reading fit into your life now um, it's interesting because um, when you were saying about reading to get to sleep, previously I only read before I went to sleep. That was always my thing. I just had such a busy life. I was working really long hours and that would be my thing. And I would only be able to read books that were uplifting. And Because I, I f- like some of the books that you post in the the, the group, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my, how, when is Heather reading these books? Because there's <laughs> no way. I would be sobbing all night. Like I can't read things that are overly sad or tragic or yeah. as you can tell, I'm quite a, a high emotional person. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was always uplifting things. What I've realised, though, since I've retired from the world of finance, is I can read anywhere. I grab like 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. I can read a book in, a, in an afternoon mm-hmm. when Santi's out at the park with Simon because I'm like, I, I've got to do and My focus that I used to use in work to just like focus in my mind in and 
get things done. Like people would go, how have you done all that in that space of time? Because I've got a child to pick up. I need to do it, <laughs> especially have, like with my son being a single parent and I can read really quickly. And what's interesting with Bailey, I always read to him growing up and he reads like, I've never met anyone. He probably matched you for the amount <laughs> of books he reads and the speed that he can read at. And he's just so well read and he loves, loves books. And I think, God, that is so good. Mm -hmm. And Santi's different. She's very like into everything, wants to build an obstacle course. So I don't know how, she's come to books and we do read to her every day, but I feel like she's a bit kind of slower than he was. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, I just, any half hour I get, I'm like, right, this is it. Now I can't, because most of the time, I'm 45 tomorrow and I've got a three-year-old and a 23-year-old. Uh, by the time I get to my bed now, I'm lucky if I get three... <laughs> three pages, which is why this Urgent Life by Bosoma St. John was just such a, a good find for me because I read it really quickly and Simon's like, where's that book going? I said, I finished it. He said, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just really intriguing. In terms of one of the, the best books that you've enjoyed that you would recommend to a friend, whether it's a novel, poetry books or, you know, a spiritual title, you know, is there one go-to book that you think... I'm going to buy you that. I've got four or five go-to that I know I can send people and they'll be delighted. Have you, is there one that you can think of? I think when I started my whole uh, journey away from being this corporate business pair and like leaning into bigger things in life, asking myself the bigger questions, but the book I used to send to people quite a lot or buy for people was The Power of Now. Oh, by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I came to that really a long, long time ago. I, I don't even know. Like now people are talking about it and I go, God, that feels like it's been a part of my entire mm -hmm. life. Are you the same? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it just... It, it's just so it's just so beautiful in its simplicity. I used to think if I can give someone the gift of having like presence for five minutes of their day, even if they learn to and then cultivate that, it's just such a beautiful thing to give to people. And I stopped gifting it to people because I think I had a couple of experiences where people were like, what have you got me? Yeah, it's funny. Some people just don't they just don't get they don't it. Get it. Do it's they? Not it's a funny. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's an amazing, that's an amazing thing about books is that you know Eckhart Tolle has obviously written um a few books and he's brilliant on Instagram mm -hmm. but you know eight pounds or ten pounds that's all it costs but actually what you're giving someone is peace because when I was living in Tanzania the only thing that I did every day was read mm -hmm. and I read his book at that point yeah and what I learned really quickly although I had to keep revisiting it to keep doing it was to be present because if you're because what was happening was I had all this turmoil from the divorce and then I wasn't working and I was worried about money and my dog and my folks and blah 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 but what that was doing was it was taking me out of where I was there and then and that's the thing like us chatting now we are both fully in the moment. I'm not thinking about the roadworks outside or yeah, what I'm having yeah. for dinner or the fact I've probably got 46 emails to, to read, you know. <laughs> well, those and, days, I don't have that yeah, anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great because that's what books do. So when you invest in a book for someone as a gift, it's more than just giving mm -hmm. them the book. You're actually giving them a window to another way of thinking, another way of being, or if it's a fiction book, another place to be. To be, and, that, and that's the beautiful intention around that. It's like books are just so, they can be just so magical for people. And you get to that point sometimes with books and you think, I don't want this to end. I don't want it to end because it's changing my life. I can feel it actually changing my energy. And 
and a cellular level, I feel like I'm a different person by the time I get to the end of it. And um, yeah, I think coming on, preparing for this today has really made me, for the first time in my life, look at my my the whole journey around. I know you don't like the word journey. I use it all the time. No, no, no. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. just one of those words where some people use it, and I'm like, oh, oh I know, I you get know, you. I, I know totally what you mean. Get you, but that whole like, but I can just so chart exactly why I've read certain books and why books have come into my life, and I'm just so grateful for that. And the fact that I, even when you started talking about my own book and the fact that I've written my own book now, I still really don't feel like I have. You know, I feel like oh. That's right. I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Quite... And congratulations on it. It's a really great read. Um, it's called You Can Turn Your Life Around. Yes. And it's available as an audio format as well, isn't it? No, not yet. That's one thing I need to do. And you know what's kind of stopping me to doing it? Like, see, when I start to talk about the really painful things, I start to cry. Oh, yeah. So I would need to get to a place where I probably could do it. I could do some like um, RTT around it, you know, like speak yeah. to my mind and not, because I think I've got the voice for to do it. And um, I've just started my singing lesson lessons again so I'm learning all about breathing and talking so I'm starting to sing again so that will be the next thing actually that I think now that you've been talking about and we've been talking about audible yeah you should definitely do it and also I just recently watched um and just like that you know the sex and the city oh, new yes. series so Is it good? it's brilliant I love oh, it I'm gonna have some to people watch. don't I like it, it but I love it so That's... there's series one series two it's called and just like that okay and Carrie writes a book about I don't want to spoil it for you but um she goes to a big personal loss and right. she has written a book about it and when she goes she goes to do the audio recording and she can't do it because she's so emotional and so upset but she pushes through and she does it and it's the best thing ever so you've got to record your audio book that is my next thing then now and I know someone who helps people to do it so I'll definitely do that next great but yeah, even yesterday morning I was leaving the gym and a woman came up to me and was like, oh, I read your book. And I thought, right, this is the time now to give a focus back on it again. It's a sign. Lazara Canton, thank you so much. That thank was brilliant. Thank you, Heather. I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Pay it forward and follow us on Instagram at the.bookalchemist.com.